Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you for being here. This is episode 118 with Robbie Buck. You can find him on Twitter at R-O-B-B underscore B-U-C-K. I'll tell you a little bit more about Robbie. He's quite a lovely human being. Very successful, very interesting guy. Tell you a bit more about him in a moment. If you're new, welcome. Hi. If you've just started listening to this and because you've heard me on the radio in Brisbane, Welcome. Glad you're here. There's 117 other episodes that I'd love you to check out. You can get them on your phone just by subscribing in the podcast app of your choice. Uh, you can always listen to each and every episode at oshiginsberg.com, but only the last 50 are at iTunes. Uh, thanks, everybody, who wrote to me uh, over the last week. I'm glad you enjoyed the Damien Barbler episode. Some pretty solid wisdom in that. I'm pretty sure there's some great stuff in here as well, because it's the start of a new year. We're still kind of getting up to firing speed with 2016. And so last week was all about creativity. This week is all about how much do you want to work in the job of your dreams? Because Robbie wanted to work in the job of his dreams. And how he got there is a, it's a pretty interesting tale. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm stoked that I get to share it with you today. He's a, he's a true gentleman and like the highest rating radio guy in the country. And you would never know it by by looking at him because he's just so he's just so very humble he's a lovely lovely chap hey um it's great being up in brisbane i uh, had a cracking uh, week this week i went on uh, the 26th of january i went on a great bicycle ride i went and rode 50ks out over the um over the brisbane river out where amazon used to be which was super fun sort of like a seven foot python swimming in the river which was wild and then i rode back to a demonstration in front of Parliament House in, in Brisbane uh, for Invasion Day. Took a few photos, got a lot of hate on Twitter for it. And look, that's okay. Um, I don't mind if people are upset about what I did on my Australia Day. I don't think I got upset with them about what they did on their Australia Day. 
But yeah, for folks outside of the country, 26th of January is the big day that we celebrate in Australia called Australia Day. But it is the day the first fleet arrived. And for a large part of our population, it's Invasion Day. It's the day that their country was invaded by Europeans. So it's it's got a lot of... Uh, it's a bit tough. I've been reading a lot about indigenous history in the last year as you know on this show i've spoken to a lot of people who uh have talked with me about indigenous issues and i just i I just couldn't go on calling it australia day or celebrating it as australia day if i'm going to celebrate australia day i'll celebrate it on the first of january which is when our country became a country that's the day we became federated independent from the uk well queen still ahead of state but that's not the story um but yeah, the 26th of January, I'd like it to be Treaty Day. That's what I'd like. But that's just me. Anyway. So thanks to everybody that uh, said hello out of demonstration. That was nice. And thanks to everybody that shows some support on Instagram and Twitter. And for everybody else, if it makes you feel funny in the tummy, um, go and read a book called The Other Side of the Frontier. And uh, come back to me. Because it's pretty interesting stuff. Anyway. It got political pretty quick, didn't it? Good gracious. I am having a lot of fun doing radio in Brisbane. I'm having a lot of fun trying to be as authentic as I can be on the radio. Um, Occasionally, everyone in the studio gives me funny looks like, oh, he's talking about politics again. But I hope I tell enough dick jokes in between so it, you know, balances out. I hope. Anyway. Um, It's been a good week. Uh, Quick. (laughs) I know. I, I, I know. Do you really care what my meds are doing? I just think it's interesting that I tell you, at least share with you my medication journey because uh, for people who are living with um, a mental health issue, it's not quite as simple as if you take this pill for the rest of your life, everything's going to be okay. You do kind of have to vary what you take, comes up, goes down, comes up, goes down. And, you know, so I think it's interesting that if I, I talk about, you know, when and how and where and how the experiments with the medication go... Me and my doctor had an experiment of going down on one of these meds and we did it for about two weeks. I'm going to have to go back up. It's a shitty feeling. I'm not going to lie. It's a shitty feeling when you realize, man, I'm just not just not doing it. I'm not doing it as well as I could uh, on the lower dose. And then you get up on the higher dose again and you go, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> um, yeah. So... I think we might sit here for a little while until things kind of even out a bit. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of tweaking once you get on medication. Life's incredible. I won't get, I won't say it's not. Life's amazing once you get on meds. But, you know, obviously you're trying to minimize side effects and maximize effect. And there's a delicate balance that you always have to try. And sometimes these things come and go. And so anyway, that's what I'm doing. I'm riding my bike like crazy at the moment. I found a fantastic bike shop in Brisbane, which is awesome. Um, a power meter fell onto my bicycle. Cyclists will know what I'm talking about when things just accidentally walk out of the shop with you after you've left some money at the counter. Uh, yeah, so anyway. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to a good week. Uh, heading back up to Brisbane on... Uh, I, I, go, I, I stay in Sydney on the weekend so I can be with my family and then I go back up to Brisbane to be with my family. My my brothers and my mum and dad live in Brisbane, so that's really great to be around those guys. I don't have a car in Brisbane. I just ride everywhere, and it's the, it's the greatest. I love it. I love riding everywhere. And when I don't ride, I meet really interesting Uber drivers. It's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Hey, so I should probably tell you about my guest. He's a, 
He's a fantastic guy. Robbie Buck is a radio announcer. He announces the uh, breakfast radio program on the ABC, which is the Australian Broadcasting Commission. It's the uh, government-run station. Uh, The radio show that he does is the Sydney Breakfast Radio, which is on 7.02 a.m. If you're in Sydney, you can also listen online to Robbie. And he rates higher than any of my FM radio colleagues in this this fair city. Yeah, he's doing better than any of them, which is pretty great, which is pretty great. Uh, He's a lovely chap. He and I uh, came up in the music industry together. And uh, we talk a lot about how he managed to get where he is and stay where he is, which I think for me is the most interesting part of this show. It's one thing to achieve what you want. It's another thing to still be doing it into your retirement, Um, especially in an industry as prone to outside influence and, and, you know, technological advancement as the media industry. Uh, He's managing to to make a very solid, solid career for himself. And we also talk a a bit about fatherhood at the very end and um, unexpected fatherhood. And he has some great wisdom to drop on me. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with the delightful Robbie Buck. Super good. Okay, so I'm rolling now. All right. All right, so we're away. And uh, again, a slurping warning because people email in and say, or tweet in it and say, with the slurping. Well, you know what? And I have to give an extra warning because my, my 12-year-old daughter uh, tells me that I'm a really bad slurper. Okay, then. Yeah, so... Now I, now I feel a bit self-conscious. No, 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 don't worry. But if you've got a daughter that's 12 years old, I'm going to be looking for some advice <laughs> before the end of this conversation. Yeah, I know. Well, She comes home in oh, two hours. We should, oh, an hour. An hour. We should be done by then. Um, but what, be, your preparation? She, no, no. For she'll, no she'll just be so completely nonchalant. <laughs> we, I, I had um, Simon Gleeson, who plays Jean Valjean in Les Mis. He was here and uh, she was sick home from mm. school one day. What did she make of it? Well, we'd seen Les Mis like three weeks beforehand. And so she was like, oh, hey, like, what's up? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to be a bit of a letdown after that. <laughs> she was just like, she didn't, she didn't care. It was, uh, but thanks for coming over. You've, you've come all the way over from the Midwest to be here. Yeah, I've come over from the, the, ste- the steers, yeah, the, the dust, cattle, the, the dust, dust bowl, bowl. <laughs> to the... To, to the ocean views. The ocean side. Of the eastern suburbs. Of, of Bronte. How, how are things? You, you, this is close to your bedtime, so thank you. No, it's, um, look, it's good, yeah. I mean, I'm doing breakfast radio again, which is a bit of a surprise in some ways and uh, challenging in other ways and damn difficult in other ways too, yeah. but rewarding all at the same time. But, you know, you're getting up, your alarm goes off at 3.15 in the morning and it's... It, it does take a bit to get used to that, mm. I have to say. This is the second year I've done it, so it's starting to be, be a bit easier. But you've done it. You know what it's like. You're getting to bed at what, 8? I go to bed at 7.30. 7.30, awesome. Yeah, I go to bed before the kids. Yeah, awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you got to. You can't you – know, I remember Mez once telling me that um, he would sleep in two shifts through the day. I did that when I did Midnight to Dawns. I can't remember a lot of mm. 1995 and six. <laughs> And not, not for there. the usual reasons. No, no, no. I know I was there. It's just the yeah. sleep. When your sleep's that messed up. Yeah, it, look, it's difficult. And I, you do get on top of it, I think, after after a time. But there's always a part of you that feels sleepy. Always. <laughs> you know, always. <laughs> well, we're, we're animals designed to react to the blue light that's coming out of the sky that fires off a bit of our brain that says it's time to wake up. And if you're doing half of your day without that... yeah. It's a challenge. The good thing is I'm not doing shift work in the traditional way. And I, you know, people say, oh, it, that's a tough job. You're getting up at 3.15. And it is. But at least you're doing it each day. Whereas mm. nurses, uh, 
uh, emergency personnel, their shifts go all over the place oh, and, they're, and they're the ones I go, that's the tough one. That's a really tough one. Yeah, when you push your sleep up around. It took yeah. me it took me about seven years to get my sleep back to normal because yeah, I was doing <laughs> back in those days. That's good to know. Thank you. Well, what, but what they would do is exactly what you're discussing. I would do five nights of mid-dawns and then do Sunday morning breakfast yeah. and then do midnight that night. Yeah. So I had to turn everything around for 48 hours. And it was just the Bachelor's a piece of cake after that, isn't it? Mate, I can't even tell you. <laughs> I can't even believe that I get paid to do that job. Yeah. It is just... Neither can we. It's bananas. Neither <laughs> can we. It's bananas. It's bananas. It's amazing gig. Yeah, yeah. it's an amazing gig. And Good I work. On you. I work with really lovely people. That helps. It does. It does. Everyone's really, really nice on this on this production. I even you've done a lot of television. When you know, in the past, I've worked on productions where sometimes the, uh, either a director or an EP or, or someone is a bit. Kind of, mm. d- d- uh, but, or, or d- well, dictatorship kind yeah. of ish. No. But but I think it, uh, different people work in different ways. I find with radio, I, I don't have a bit of TV, but not much. But I find in radio, if I don't have people around me that I feel really comfortable with and enjoy working alongside, then it makes the broadcasting a lot more difficult mm. because it's th- that that's the energy you you're bouncing off. Because then you're acting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, you're acting, and I'm, yeah. I'm a really bad actor. Yeah. I'm a terrible actor. And you hear stories of, uh, I think there's this massive radio duo in the States called um, uh, Kevin and Bean. Mm-hmm. Kevin and Bean are so successful. I think it's Kevin and Bean. They're so successful that they chose not to go off air, but they now live in different states and one does it down the line and they yeah. don't speak during the songs or commercial But breaks. that happened on a, on a particular breakfast show here in Australia as well. Yeah, it was Wendy Harmer and Peter Moon. I wasn't going to say names. No, but Wendy yeah, Harmer and Peter Moon yeah. famously... Um, Peter Moon was like he moved to Melbourne. Yeah, he went down to Melbourne and he sat in a booth yep. and wouldn't talk. And they, I talked to the producer. Uh, I won't. I know him, so I won't say his real name. Yeah, but it's like, just to say for his name, his name is Bob. Um, hey, Bob, can you tell Wendy not to do that again? <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. And, and on the flip side of that, you know, I had such a on the total opposite end of the spectrum had such an amazing experience doing the two years of Breakfast at Triple J with Lindsay and Marie. And we just had such an enjoyable time together in the studio, which is the, the flip side of it. When you, And it was great because it was only two years. You don't get tired of each other and you really enjoy each other's company. And those experiences I look back on, you know, for the rest of my life and go, that was a really wonderful way to spend a couple of years. And we're still really great friends. Mm. You know, we're still, still keeping in close contact and still love hanging out together and love uh, that chemistry as well on a totally different social level, yeah. which is really nice to have. So it is interesting. I mean, I think it's, you know, pe- people are able to get uh, to certain levels in, in lots of different ways when it comes to, to media and all power to them in lots of ways. But, yeah, for me, for it to work well, it, it needs to be pretty much on the level and honest. Well, it's certainly working well because <laughs> if the ratings that came out last week are anything to go by, how does it feel when you, you drove here on the way? You would have probably seen... I'm going to say no less than 10 buses or cabs with FM radio duos plastered all over them. You're driving around going, I rate higher than all of you. Yeah. No, it is interesting. I mean, it's it's a very volatile market though at the yeah. moment. And uh, AM is a very, it's an old transmission technology. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years too because people, you know, all media is splintering 
people, you know, people are listening to a podcast. Mm. They're not listening to the, the radio at With the With two professional broadcasters. Highly professional broadcasters. We are. Yeah, That's yeah. our jobs. Yeah, yeah well, that's true. And, and we're putting out a free bit of digital content. Yeah, which is great. But what I'm saying is that it, there is so many different – that's a slurp. There are so many different uh, options available to you mm. that traditional forms of media are going to continue to, to struggle in lots of ways. Now, that's good in lots of ways. I think it, it means it's democra- it's a democratisation of the media landscape and I reckon that's really exciting. It makes it, I think, more challenging for media professionals in some ways mm. but that's good. Good on us. Oh, any kind of, in my, in my opinion, any kind of disruption yeah. uh, that forces a change in, uh, in how we do things is, is a good thing because yeah, if yeah. we do the same thing all the time forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, we'll never learn it. Anything, and there might be a way better way to do it, you know. That's just waiting for us, and you know, we'll, we'll never we'll never get there. But you, you you are saying the market is fracturing, but you you have this just colossal momentum of the ABC yeah. that has been what is it the thirties the twenties where did it start? Yeah, no, it was the uh, would have been the very. I'm trying to think. It was it's probably the very early thirties. Yeah, I think. Very early 30s. And it's an institution in this country. And it is, yeah. I've said it I've said it 20 times on this show. When I'm not in Australia, I miss it so mm. much. Look, it's a good point, and I think that sometimes we take that end of our broadcasting spectrum for granted on occasions. And there are a lot of people who are very keen to get rid of the ABC too because it, it takes oxygen, it takes listeners' ears and eyes from a market that they could be making money out of too. So there are some very strong, concerted campaigns to try and destabilise the ABC. Or takes listeners' ears and eyes away from outlets that they can control. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Both of those things. Mm. And both to certain people, both of those things are very important. So um, the challenges, the, the headwinds are greater now, even just in the last few years than I've ever seen them before. And as somebody who's worked at the ABC for getting on to 20 years, mm. you know, I've never seen it uh, with, with the level of vitriol that's fired towards it. Um, you know, competition is good and I think having to justify your place if you're taking taxpayers' dollars is a good thing as well. Some of the tricks are a bit dirty, I think. They have been a bit dirty in the past. But I, always, I am a, a keen believer in having to justify your place. And I'm also, you know, people say, oh, isn't the ABC full of hangers on us, isn't there lots of dead wood? It, it really is an organisation that has been cleaned out so much in the last 15 years that there are I, – I, I really would be challenged to find a person who is there that isn't pulling their weight, you know. So it's, a, it's an interesting time to be in a, in a place like that and sometimes it drives me nuts because I think uh, it, it's – you know, you go, go to a party, you mentioned the ABC – uh, and you'll get a, one of two reactions. People will go, oh, I love it, it's fantastic. Or they'll go, oh, you know, there's big problems there, aren't there? What are we paying our money for uh, for that? Why am I paying taxpayers' money when I don't, uh, when I don't uh, access it very much? And, you know, and those are reasonable points too at times. But like you say, I think for any democracy, any healthy democracy, to have strong public broadcasting as part of its democratic, democratic fabric, I think is a really healthy thing. And now you're in the... You're right in the thick of that on the AM, yeah, on the is. AM show, and I've always really loved and I coveted, to be honest, yeah. that you can, as a broadcaster, you can 
you can remain a you can remain a you can grow with your audience. You can age with your audience on the ABC. Yeah, which is a rarity in yeah. media organisations. It doesn't always happen. I mean, look, I've only ever been on annual contracts on my entire time there, so you you don't take it for granted by any means at all. And uh, it gets to the end of the year, and I don't know. I mean, at this stage, I don't know if I'm coming back next year or not. I hate it. I'm in the same boat right now. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing all this promo, but yeah, of course, Bachelors are going to come back next year. <laughs> Put the phone down, call up the network. Hey, so we got over. We got one one last night. Yeah. We peaked a lot higher. How's next year looking? Oh, we don't know yet. We're still going to wait for the end of year numbers. We'll see if we're going to sell it. <laughs> exactly. And look, that, that's the way it is. I mean, that's the world of of broadcast media. Mm. And I don't. It, it used to really bug me a while ago. I don't get so worried about it anymore. I think that. You handle change, you accept change when it happens mm. and you count your blessings for what you've got and what you've yeah. done. So we'll see. You didn't grow up here in Sydney, did you? No, I grew up in Lismore and that's where I got into radio. Which is a university town just about two hours south of the Queensland-New South Wales border? Yep. About Inland about an hour? Yeah, about 40 minutes. 40 minutes? Yeah. yeah. It's, so I grew up uh, with Byron Bay as, as the beach that we'd go to or mm. Ballina as mm. the beach that we'd go to. Grew up in... Uh, in a town that had a lot of counterculture as a kid growing up, which I really enjoyed, actually. It was, you know, I remember go, going to school and uh, one of my mates, Sean, coming into school and going, oh, Dad's just been arrested. And, uh, you know, maybe Mum and Dad were arrested at Protesters Falls trying to stop the, the logging trucks coming through. And there were a lot of kids uh, from around Nimbin and uh, children of the Aquarius Festival from up there who were... At school with me, and they they brought a really interesting flavour actually to to the school and to the way uh, I I mean I I thought it was very normal for people to be wearing caftans <laughs> and you know the uh, the spiritual ethos of a lot of people and the, the the rainbow culture all that stuff was just very by the by growing up wow and I look back on it and I think well you know it it was actually very unusual for a child in Australia to have that so close. And I'm really glad that I did have it. It's funny, though. I mean, a lot of those kids grew up to be much straighter than their parents. As is often the case. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You stay in touch with any of them? Yeah, one of them. Um, that, that guy, who Sean, whose um, father was arrested, uh, actually worked as a soundie at the Opera House for a while and he's a musician these days and lives in Sydney. So we run into each other from time to time. Oh, that's superb. Yeah. But, look, it's a, it, it was... It was a place I couldn't wait to get out of, like any regional town yeah. that anybody grows up in. Uh, I'd gone, I'd gone to boarding school in Brisbane for a while, and which one? To Churchy. All right. Yeah, and I I've, went to Terrace. Well, there you go. There see, you go. Batman and Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the old school. Oh man, there's like, oh, um, <laughs> right now there's like two people going. Thank okay. oh, <laughs> Anyway, it's a long story, too long to go into here. Wow, you, yeah. it's one of those urban <laughs> legends you're going to have to dig into. Yeah, I'm afraid. <laughs> but, um, you know, boarding school didn't sit all that well with me. I didn't find it a very comfortable place to be in lots of ways. And, in fact, in my final year in high school, I, I begged my parents to let me go and live with my brother and sister as a day boy. So I went. they had a house, they were going to university, and they had a house in St Lucia in Brisbane, so I went and lived with them for my, my final year. Mate, if you've gone to school with people who are wearing caftans and then you turn up at full-on, mm. straight, rugby, you know, old money, it's not going to fit very well, No, really. it, it was a bit jarring. <laughs> it was a little bit jarring, it's fair to say. <laughs> the gears were crunching a time. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and so that was, yeah, like you said, it was it was a strange experience. It wasn't a bad experience necessarily, but it was an odd one, and it wasn't. It, it, I didn't quite understand a lot of it. I, I, the the old boy kind of rugby school culture was not something I resonated with, you know, and that's fine. I mean, look, there are lots of people who did, and I all power to them. I'm not casting aspersions about that. But I then went to art college, you know. The, I thought, where do I feel most comfortable? It's it's doing art. And so I got into Queensland College of Art. Wow. Yeah, which was great. It was a really, really difficult course to get into. And where was the campus at that point? It was in Seven Hills back in those days. Right. Yeah, out, um, yeah a little bit out of town before they moved I love there. how Australians are just re- really, especially up in Brisbane, the mm. naming of things mm. is like, okay. What uh, have we got? Get, like, <laughs> guess... Guess what the geographical feature of Redcliffe is, Australia? Oh, I, it's just uh, I couldn't imagine why cliffs. Seventeen mile rocks, eight mile plains. But you can't blame them. You know <laughs> they were probably hungry, it's starving. Massive country. We, we ran out of things. We've called everything Victoria mm-hmm. and Queen and George, New <laughs> South Wales. Oh, we've run out of names. Seven Hills. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> Exactly. So you were back amongst your people. So I was back amongst my people yeah. and it was, again, a bit of a gear shift to do that and that was terrific. And then I went back to, to Lismore mm. and I was unemployed for a while in Lismore yeah. and it was actually really quite fun for a while. Were you on the dole? Yeah. Yeah, I was on was the dole. pre-Centrelink? Was it Centrelink? No, no, it was Centrelink. Centrelink. But it was at a time, it was around the time of Australia's greatest recession. Mm. So they were the most unemployed people in Australia's history. This, this is... I think I was unemployed around that time yeah. as well. And so Lismore, which has one of the highest unemployment rates of anywhere in Australia, the Centrelink couldn't cope with it. Oh. So usually when you go to Centrelink, you have to go in and you have to, every two weeks, you put in your, your dole form and you've written down the jobs that you've applied for and they give you a little off-the-cuff interview just to make sure that you're not bullshitting them. But it became, it became so overworked that they just gave up, threw their hands up and put a box out the front of the Centrelink office <laughs> you just had to drop your whole form into the box and that was it. So back in those days, there were people who were living in Bali and Cambodia and Thailand who were just getting their mates to drop the doll form into the box. <laughs> Not me, but, you know, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. But I woke up one morning in Lismore. I've been there for about eight months. And I woke up and I went, this is just not good. You know, I need, I need to actually get a job. I can't get a job in Lismore. So I got on the train on the XPT, booked a, a seat on the XPT from Lismore and got off at Hornsby and I had no, had no real contacts for any, any work. I had no real qualifications, essentially. Uh, and I had one place, I had a place to stay, which was with my cousin who was a punk who lived in Epping. She was only about 16. And she lived with a... Uh, a dope-smoking motorcycle mechanic uh, who used to uh, take home the cars from the, the mechanics and get stoned with his mates and then go hooning these cars that were customers' cars through the streets. Of it's Epping. like Ferris Bueller's Day it was. for real. It was madness. It was absolute madness. And it was, um, it was a different Sydney in those days too. It was a very, uh, I guess it was early 90s. Mm-hmm and early to mid-90s. And in those days, there were a lot more punks and skins and uh, kind of counter kids experimenting with counterculture. 
and visually externally yeah yeah, yeah. really I, I mean look that's not to say kids don't do it now but there was something a bit there was something a bit harsher about elements of it to be honest and 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 some of it was downright ugly too um particularly the the skinhead culture that my cousin ha- would associate with from time to time yeah. and they were they used to call me mr beige because i'd get around in a brown corduroy jacket but they were, um, yeah, some of them were, were pretty nasty, actually. A couple of them went to jail for murder. Fuck. Yeah. Me? Yeah. Yeah. So it, they, it was an odd time to be... But like racially motivated stuff? No, or? it was actually... Well, look, they, they had all those sorts of things going on. Oh. They were parts of... Some of these guys were parts of... I mean, like I said, I, I only met them a few times. Yeah. Uh, and I w- was glad not to have association with them. But... It, and it was only years later that I realised that this stuff had gone down. But uh, I think the story went that they ASIO had bugged their, their office or their clubhouse or whatever it was and they had murdered, I think from memory, murdered one of their own huh. and they didn't realise that they were, they were bugged at the time. So that's how they got the, the evidence on them. But it was, you know, it was a weird time. You know, the, the inner city of Sydney was, it was vibrant and it was exciting but it was really grungy and it was a bit dark yeah, yeah. as I, well. I, I, is it just because I'm old and I don't hang out where the 14 to 19-year-old people <laughs> congregate that I don't see that visual? Uh, because I do recall in, in Brisbane, yeah. being a smaller city, um, those elements were very visual. Like I, I distinctly remember being out at a 15-year-old, 16-year-old out in the city at night time and just going, uh, hearing people go, uh, you know, uh, Skins versus Asians, uh, Treasury Car Park, Yeah, 10 p.m. No, I, I remember in Brisbane, the Skins as well. And they, just they were, going, we've got to get the fuck out of here because yeah, yeah. there's going to be some blood. We yeah. have to leave now. No, there was, there was a really ugly undercurrent. I mean, it was... I, I don't know what the... the I mean, there was the, the racial motivation for the Skins, but I don't, I'm not quite sure whether it was just boredom mm. or whether it was just a, a desire to try and find something more exciting than the... The suburban every day. And it's not so commercialised. You, like you can't back then. To get a black flag T-shirt was hard. You had to ride away with an envelope. <laughs> is that with, what you had to do? Is it with money, a money order? <laughs> yeah. To somewhere in San Diego, and they would, you know, probably Rollins himself would have sent it to you, <laughs> licking the envelope. He would have made the T-shirt, wouldn't yeah, he? Him and Greg would have put it away and you know mailed it over. Um, but now you can just order that stuff on the internet. It'll turn up at your house or you can buy it at Target. Well, it, it is an interesting point. I guess it's that why old people go on about the commitment to their cause, their yeah. subculture as well. Yeah. People saying, you know, you, 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 there's, there's not the level of commitment that there was. I don't know whether it's true or not. I mean, I, what I do love about the... Yeah, the younger generation that I see around me, and I guess now my daughter has just started high school, I see the kids going to high school and some of them just out of high school as well. I, what I love is there's a, there is a passion and confidence about where they're going in life, which I, I don't think I, I didn't have to that same degree. I mean, I had a vague idea of where I wanted to go but didn't know how to do it. Whereas now kids are really educated in lots of ways and I, I love that about them. I love the fact that they go, you know what, I can do this in this way. Sometimes it gets a bit cocky and I think that's, you know, but that's the, the folly of youth perhaps. But it is amazing to, to think, you know, in, a, in one generation, the, you know, our age versus my daughter's age, the amount of information that they have access to compared to what we were able to get hold of uh, and, wh- you know, how that 
is reflected in in your passions too. Mm. It's a really interesting thing. The entire sum of my primary school's musical knowledge came through a 28-minute long funnel on a Sunday night on the ABC at 6pm. That was it. (laughs) That was the only access I had to music that wasn't on the radio. That's it. There was nowhere else to find it. And now any song that's ever been recorded ever, I I could play out of my thing in my pocket. Yeah, um, I know it is an amazing thing to think of, and it's a it's a wonderful revolution in lots of ways. So, you yeah. know, I, I I love it, um, but yeah, I guess you got to lose something in those sorts of changes. So with all those, you know, the the between the Rainbow School, the the old school rugby school, <laughs> art college, and living with your um, cousin the punk, that's a lot of different music that goes along yeah. with that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Not much country and western though. Well, when did music come along? Music came along. Right from the outset for me because my brother is nearly 10 years older than I am. Oh, yeah. And we lived in England when I was a kid. I, I was born in Lismore, but we, we moved to England. What for? Because uh, my dad was a doctor and mm-hmm. he, uh, he had, in those days, to fulfil your specialisation, he was an obstetrician, you had to go to the UK and get a, get a qualification from the Royal College. And so my brother, I mean, they'd been there beforehand, before I was born. You know, he, he has fond memories of listening to Radio Caroline, listening to pirate radio oh. in, in England. They used, to, they used to park off the coast because yeah. they didn't want to pay a licence and broadcast back to the mainland. That's right, they're off the eight-mile coast or whatever it was, the, the limits. And, uh, and then the BBC kind of subsumed Radio Caroline and John Peel and all those sorts of people. So he, he, uh, he was a huge music fan and I, I have a distinct memory of the age of four or five, walking down the corridor in this old, tumble-down old house that we used to live in in the hospital grounds in Essex. And I, I still have this distinct memory of hearing this sound coming from his bedroom and it was, uh, it was from Who's Next, I Can See for Miles by The Who. And trying to work out what it was that I was finding amazing and it was the sound, it was the sound of this music and it was really from that moment, you know, my ears were peaked and my interest in music was peaked. And so he had, my brother had a huge influence on my musical tastes. So I, I was much more of an English music fan than I was an American music fan for a long time. But, uh, you know, we, we still have a strong love of music. In fact, last weekend I met up with my brother and sister. They live in Brisbane. Met up with them in Melbourne and we went and saw the David Bowie exhibition oh, on the weekend. Was it exceptional? Yeah, it was great. It's um, It's a... I mean, it's amazing to see Bowie's handwritten exercise notes with Life on Mars written out with some of the, the corrections here and there. Um, you know, the, 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 the manuscript for Heroes. And he's quite ladylike writing, actually. He's got... It, it looks like a... You know how girls' writing's always a bit neater? Always. Yeah, a little bit more flowery. He's, David Bowie's is a bit more like that. Um, so, yeah, look, it, it, so music's always been there. It's always been a really strong yeah. driver in my life. And it's... Um, it's been lovely to be able to to play with it as a career yeah. at times, but that's what, or that's just a bonus for me. I mean, I still, you know, I went out and bought three records yesterday. I still go and buy music. I still love going to record stores. I still like. Really, I haven't yeah. been to a record store forever. Well, you know what? You, you you should check it out, and because there is something very meditative about going into a, a vinyl record store, and there's a great one near my house that sells secondhand vinyl. And just flicking through titles, oh. you know, it, it, and it's it's like a men's shed. <laughs> yeah, well, I when I moved to America the first 
uh, in 2009 when I moved there full time, I got rid of everything. Yeah. I got rid of all my CDs. I gave all my albums away. I gave everything. I sold my turntables. Yeah. Got out. Look, the, it's a big commitment and it's, it's time consuming, it's money consuming and it takes a lot of space in the house. Yeah. So it's not something that you can do necessarily but I have the luxury of having a, a, a bit of a shed out the back of my place. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very, very nice. Yeah. So did you ever explore playing your own music? Yeah, well, in Brisbane, I, I fronted, when I was in high school, I fronted a, a really bad covers band called The Shots. Yeah. Um, what was your big hits, top three? Um, look, we did, we did Friday on My Mind, The Easy Beats. We did, oh, we would have done, oh, we did The Sex Pistols. We did The Clash, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Uh, you know, uh, uh, late 60s, early 70s. Where did you play? We played, well, look, for our first ever gig, we, um, we handed out 8,000 invitations oh, to our first Thinking, ever. this is going to be great. Yeah. We'll and be we, Queen at Wembley. And we booked, we booked West's, uh, sorry, no, we booked, was it East's? No, it was East's Leagues Club. East's Leagues Club. So that's where the Colt had played only yeah. a few months beforehand. And the Sugar Cubes with Björk had, had played six months before that. The Pogues were set to play. And we thought, we'll just book it out. We booked it out for a Friday night. And, um, I mean, this is the thing about youth. I love it. I look back and go, it's amazing. We booked it out and then we handed out 8,000 invitations. And we said the best way to get to the gig is on the train. There was a the train station nearby. And we said, you know, the gig's going to start at, I think, 8 p.m. Anyway... Two days before concert night, and we've been rehearsing like mad, we get a call from the club and they say, we've been in contact by the licensing police and uh, they're telling us that there's lots of underage kids who are planning to turn up to this gig. And we said, what do you mean? Not telling them that we were underage at the time either. Um, What do you mean? And they said, well, we're going to cancel you. And we said, you can't cancel us. We've, We've put... 8,000 invitations out. I said, look, we, we'll put a policeman on the front door if you want. We'll hire a policeman you, and you can check the IDs. All right. They said, no, we're not going to risk it. That's it. Close down. 48 hours before the, our first big gig and nowhere to play. So we madly ru- rush around and there's the East Union Club, which is not as big, not as well known, but and obviously judging by the spider webs on the, the beer taps, Hasn't sold that much beer in a long time either. <laughs> and we say to them, hey, we've got like a thousand people, we reckon, turning up for this concert. What do you reckon? And they said, yeah, okay, no worries. The big problem was how do we let people know pre-internet age that this is where it's going to be? So on the night of the gig, we turn up to the train station and... Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Brisbane trains, you know, they run every half hour. This, this train pulls up and all these people come off the train. And we yell out to them, look, if you're, if you're here for the shots gig, get back on the train and go another two stops up. And we thought maybe a few people would do it. And it was amazing to see there were about, about 200 people getting off the train and all bar about three of them stopped, turned around and got back on the train. And we looked at each other and went, wow, people are actually coming to this. Turned up to the, the stage, the place was absolutely packed and we were, we'd hired a thousand dollars worth of sound gear. It was really loud. We were a crappy band, but everybody was having a fantastic time. When what happens? Income guys in jumpsuits, yeah. Alsatians, the tactical response group turns up. <laughs> to which our response was to launch into, I fought the law. <laughs> and at that precise moment, uh, a thousand, just on the cusp perhaps, of 18-year-olds <laughs> flee. The, 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 uh, the building itself was surrounded by fields. A thousand kids uh, scooting over these cyclone fences and racing off in different directions with police behind them. There was about there was about four paddy wagons and anyway, it was complete chaos. Turned out it was the final night of the Bjorki Peterson, no, not Bjorki Peterson, final night of the Nationals. Uh, I think the next day was the the election where the Nationals were were kicked out. So uh, suffice to say, I didn't last very long in the band. I was kicked out. Pretty pretty soon afterwards. Why? Oh, I was a bad singer. Bad singer. Dude, you're the best promo ever. You yeah. got a thousand in underage kids before the internet. <laughs> Man, that's an amazing story. Yeah. Was... Did you get that the cops pull you up? Well, they took all our names down, but we were on stage and none of us were drinking, so there was no reason to to get us for anything. I don't think anybody was actually... In the end, I, I don't think they bothered pursuing So that is so Brisbane. Yeah. That is so Bjelke-Peterson yeah. Brisbane. Yeah. It, they were just head stompers. Yeah. And it was not cool. No, it wasn't nice. I mean, they, they, they were, they had the Alsatians with them. Oh, you know, this God. was, they were guys ready to take out the teenagers. Uh, but yeah, it was funny. Very, very funny. Mate, what an exciting story. Yeah. You, mate, then you can drop the mic and walk away with that. Like that is, that's better than any teenage gig I could ever lay claim to. Yeah. That is, that is pretty awesome. <laughs> That's a fantastic story. Yeah. And so, I, was anybody there? I want to know if anybody was there who's listening. I'd love to know if you there were there. people there. There was definitely yeah. people there. Uh, we did a few more gigs after that elsewhere, but none, none quite as exciting as that. And then they kicked me out of the band, and, and that was the end of my my short lived music career. Mate, that's yeah. well bullshit. You've got a, you've had a career in the music industry. Yeah, yeah, on that way. And that's the thing that always, you know, I I played in bands as well. I, I played, you know, bass in band. Well, it was Chili Peppers and Primus. We wanted to be the Chili Peppers and Primus, and then Soundgarden. That, that was the fashion at the time. Yeah. Um, and then I played double bass in a hip hop band for a while, which was super super fun. Um, but I couldn't write songs. Mm. So it's hard, isn't it? Well, it got to the point where I could write songs. They just weren't very good. Mm. But it got to the point where I got this job in radio. I was like, well. And I just moved in with my first girlfriend. It's like, well, I could go and sit in a high ace van and yeah. drive to Cairns and back um, for the potential of playing to an empty room, or I could stay here, get regular sex, and get paid. <laughs> just weigh it up. Yeah. One on each hand. But what, here's the thing of the people that were playing music at the time, it's wild because I look around and, like, I've had a longer music career career in the music mm. industry than mm. and you would the same. You yeah. would have had a longer career in the music industry than 
Many of the people in the, who actually well, play it. Yeah, the vast bulk of them. And it's, it is sad to see because people, you know, people get into music when they're young, they are idealistic and I absolutely champion it. But it, it is a hard game and it's always been a hard game and it continues to be a hard game. And it's, it's sad to see people get disillusioned. You know, when they get to the late 20s and early 30s and they see their other mates have gone off in other industries starting to make dividends on all that that work and they're struggling to find the money to put a, a record together. It's tough, you know, it's really tough. But, um, but, you know, I remember, I think when I met you the first time, which would have been, well, at least 15 years ago. I but, got to Sydney in 99. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was when you first got to Sydney and you were carrying around a video recorder the whole time. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I what happened to, to all of that? Oh, it's all in a box in Los Angeles. Is it? Right. Yeah. I've got... Hours of footage. It when was... I first saw Exit Through the Gift Shop, I thought, that could be me. Yeah. That was me for about two or three years. I know. That no, was whenever, whenever I saw you, you, were, you had a, a handy cam in your hand. And I was like, who is this guy? Who's that like with the handy cam? It was, well, it was really interesting. I, I just found it really fascinating to document. I haven't watched any of that stuff. Right. Well, that's good. I, I haven't watched it at all. And I've got some like stuff when we were in New York on September 11. I've, right. Yeah, yeah, I've got stuff from then. I've got stuff from Big Day Out 2001. Um, I was filming from behind and I distinctly remember I had it in my viewfinder. Oh, was this the death? six people working on, on Jessica. Oh, yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, I've, I've filmed it. Yeah, right. And I, f- I remember filming the crowd of the Limb Biscuit show beforehand from that angle that we had up behind the stage and just... I could feel it in the air. I was like, something terrible is going to happen. This is dangerous. I mm. feel something's going to happen. But I haven't watched a, I haven't watched a frame of that Isn't stuff. Isn't that amazing? And there's tons of it. There's probably a lot of me being a drunken idiot because I used to... I don't ever remember you getting drunk. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. I hit it yeah, okay. quite well. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Right. Oh, you just get pretty loose. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and start saying shit. That was. Uh, I was okay. To Where a, are these tapes? I want to oh, see these yeah, tapes. They're in, a, they're in a box. I'm about to go back to Los Angeles and get them. I leave on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I would get to a point in the night where I just, and then it was full Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, I right. Was, yeah, just became a fucking horrible human being. Did you? So you're a bad drunk. Oh, it was awful. And then you know I'd start to realize that. Like, I don't, I don't really like that guy. Mm. I, don't, I don't want to be him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a hard one. I mean, look, I, I, it's one of my saving graces is that I am pretty sure I'm a, I'm a good drunk, <laughs> which it, it is something that I – and I rarely get very drunk. It's very, very rare. But I, I did in, with my workmates not so long ago. And it was just a – this is the thing about doing breakfast radio as well is that some, sometimes – you've got to be really careful about how much you drink because it does affect you more than, than it usually <laughs> usually should. But, yeah, it's, it, it's one of those things where I had to say to them, look, you know, was I okay? And they said, yeah, you're fine. You're just sort of floppy. <laughs> yeah. I, I just remembered I, I have footage. Um, we were out with you and Andy from GTO and I've got footage of us all climbing the big tree in front of your house. Oh, right. I think you were even in the tree. I think yeah, I've okay. got footage of you in the tree. It was about fucking three in the morning or yeah, something. Yeah, good. Um, but, yeah, there's footage of it. Right. <laughs> well, let's hope you get rid of that. <laughs> I'm sure there's a, you know, 
uh, you know, a seven-year yeah, moratorium. Yeah, moratorium. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Sure, it's fine. So you get off the train in Hornsby. Yeah. Oh, hang on. But did, hey, didn't you do some radio in Lismore? Did you go back? Yeah. Up? Well, that's what I. You see, my my career in radio really started when I was in primary school because I had a, I was in grade five, and we had a a relief teacher, a guy called Gary Martin, who was this massive, he was quite a beast guy, he was American, and he would occasionally take our classes when our regular teachers were sick. And he came in and he was giving a class and he was talking about how he did this music show at the local community radio station, did a classical music show. And at the end of the, the class, I went up to him and I went, oh, look, I, you know, I was 10. Went up to him and I said, oh, look, really interested in w- w- how that works. And he said, well, why don't you come up? I'm doing a show tomorrow night. You, you can get your parents to drop, drop you up at the station. It's just, you know, Lismore, it's just up, up the road. And so I did. I went up and, and saw it and I thought, wow, this is amazing. You know, it was this crappy old rotary desk. It had four giant knobs on the desk. No, and, no, no sliders. No the sliders. The yeah, big rotary knobs, yeah. Massive rotary knobs and, and two vinyl turntables and a microphone and that was it. And he'd sit there and he'd, he'd present the classical music and I, and I said, wow, this is amazing. Thank you so much for that. And he said, you, you can come back any time. So I went back the next week. And the next week and the week after that. And after, being, after going about five weeks, he went, you know what? I, I've got to go into hospital. I was, he was having an operation. Why don't you fill in uh, while I'm in, in the hospital for the next few weeks? I went, are you sure? He said, yeah, you'll be fine. You've seen me do it. You know what it's like. You know, this is community radio. You're 10. It's 10. And uh, so I went, okay, sure. And so I went and did the show. He showed you how to work all the buttons yeah, yeah. and knobs? Yeah, I mean, look, it was a classical music show. So you just have to say hello you know, read off the the back of the LP, Mozart, here's a bit of history, which is what we're about to listen to and then press play and do the same thing two or three times and that was it. You know, it was, hello, I'm Robert Buck and welcome to Evening Classics. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he came back out of hospital about three weeks later and he said, look, you're you're doing a really great job. I mean, I wasn't. I would have been doing a terrible job. You're doing a really great job. Why don't you keep doing the show? Uh, he had another show that he was doing. And I said, are you sure? He said, yeah, go right ahead. So I, I kept doing it until uh, until I went to boarding school, actually. So I did it for another two years after that. You did a classical music show <laughs> once a week. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? So thanks to Gary Martin because, you know, who, who knows what would have happened if he hadn't have walked into that class, if the teacher yeah. hadn't have been sick on that day, uh, if he hadn't have decided to talk about his community radio experience. Or if you hadn't chosen to go there every yeah, week. I mean, yeah. you would, you, would you be surprised? Would you not be surprised? How many people have sat in front of that microphone and when they tell them, when we talk about how they got to where they are, it's pretty much the same for I did it for free yeah. until I became so good at it. By the time it came time to hire someone, I was the only option. Mm. And, and that's it. Yeah. You know, I did it and I was terrible when no one could see yeah, it yeah. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but... But passionate about it, yeah. you know, and that's it. And, I mean, going back to that conversation we had before about, you know, I guess young, uh, what young people have today, they have so many opportunities, which is great, but you still need to have that passion. You know, you still need to be able to go, I really want to do this because I like doing it, not mm-hmm. because I just, I mean, I have no interest in the other side of media, which is being known at all. I've got no I, I like broadcasting because I really enjoy the process of broadcasting, much like you, I'm sure. Love it. Yeah. But the, you know, for some people being around radio for a long time, some people want to get into radio because they like the idea of... Being what, on the side of a bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> potentially, yes. You know, which, which I have no interest in whatsoever. Yeah. Um, 
but it, it's about the passion of it. And, you know, thank goodness that there are people like Gary over the, in life who foster other people's interests and go, yeah, get into it. So if on episode one of this show, it sounds like you paid it forward for Scott Dooley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you've got, to, you've got a hand on the baton, don't you? Yeah. Well, he, he was someone who I believe he just rang up for a radio competition. Yeah. He did, he did, I, wasn't, I don't think it was me, though. He rang up. He was the work experience kid. Basically, yeah. Yeah. I think he won a competition to be working yeah. experience, yeah. and then he just started hanging out yeah. with you. Yeah, and and you know, he's a he's, Dills is such a talented guy. He needs to be around a microphone. He should be in front of people, yeah. uh, and you see that. You know, you see people who who swing by. I mean, Triple J is an interesting one because you do see people come in, and you know, some people have the right chemistry for the place, and others don't. You know, and I, it, it's hard to describe exactly what it is. I mean, Sam Simmons was another guy that came th- through uh, the show that I was doing when I was doing Drive and he uh, had sent a demo tape, I think, and we were listening to it and, went, and, and it was totally nuts. It was crazy. But I thought, well, you know, this is, there's something about this I really, really like. And so we got him in and started fostering him and now he's just won the top prize at Edinburgh for, for comedy, you know. <laughs> and, that, and that's nothing to do with me. That's only because he's such a – he's a great talent. Yeah. But it's it, – you know, I – there are a lot of people who have such terrific talents around the place and I love in any small way being able to give, uh, not even a leg up, just, just giving them a little bit of light, reflecting a bit of light their way. It's great. I, 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 I can't agree with you more. In fact, I, I almost see it as my, my duty to pay it back to everybody that helped yeah. me, Claire yeah. Blake, who let me come and push buttons on her show on a Thursday night till I learn how to panel. Yeah. Um, you know, the people that gave me a shot, like... I've got a public email address. If pe- people take the time to reach out to me, and uh, mm. yeah, fucking let's go on a Skype call. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, because it's not a secret. It's not. I'm not trying to. It's not like a trade industry secret that no. I'm trying to protect my patents. Like <laughs> fuck, if you can get yourself in front of a mic or in front of a camera, and you've got something unique to offer. Mm. Um, Jay Moore, as I told you about before, Jay Moore is one of my favourite podcasters. He's got this great phrase: "There's more pie than there is pie chart." Yeah. It yeah. really is. It's yeah. not. There's. There's not only room for one on the podium. <laughs> it really, no, it's isn't. a very good point, and and increasingly so too, which is wonderful. Yeah. And and f- some people are intimidated by that, and others celebrate it, like you. And that is really the the way to engage with it is to uh, to, to put your arms around it, to uh, to hug it, and get involved in it. Well, the 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 moment that Napster went live, everything changed. Now this is a product of that. What yeah. we're doing right, getting people getting used to the idea of downloading content and enjoying content, um, came out of Napster, LimeWire, whatever ever, ever else came along. It was you know criminal at the time. Mm. But how many other industries were started that way? You know, yeah. so many industries start. Well, we don't quite have the right permits for this that we're running. <laughs> But we'll get up and running, get a bit of capital, and then we'll get the inspections. Yeah, and then you know it yeah. happens all the time. Yeah, it happens all the time because some if you yeah anyway, um, it, it's it's a, it's a very very interesting time, and to fight it is folly in my opinion. Well, it is, of course, <clears throat> it is in in all of the different strands of the digital revolution that we've seen over the last twenty mm. years. Uh, some of it is uncomfortable, I think. I mean, it, it, just going back to music, for example, it's really interesting to see the pros and cons of the, the breakdown of the music industry and the, the liberalisation of, of, of sharing music. I mean, it's great for, I think, I think it's much better for smaller artists in this day and age 
because they don't have to get themselves a record contract. Often those contracts, not always, but often those record contracts were weighted heavily against them so mm. that they were never going to make any money out of it anyway. Um, they had to spend lots of money to go into an expensive studio. Now you can record like we are yeah. in your kitchen yep. if, if you'd like. And uh, you're able to share it with people all over the world instantly. Making money out of it is hard. I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. But, you know, people do have those – there is that cottage industry methodology that people are able to uh, to apply themselves to, which does work. You know, pe- people pay a dollar for a song or yeah. uh, share a song via the internet. And so people are getting a little trickle of money. It gives them a, uh, a bit of momentum to keep going with what they're doing. It's not private jet money like it used to be. Though. No, it's not. No. No, it's not. No. But this is where <laughs> – now <clears> – <throat> Because when when there was a time of pressing vinyl, the kind of records that you were flipping through yeah. earlier this week, they were the curators. The record companies were the curators of who was what was what was right. Now that everyone has access to be able to record and release, you sort of need a curator. And this is why, and certainly in America, I realise again, we'll go back to how important the ABC is because mm. I was surprised and not surprised how many A&R people in the States look to Triple J as in, what have they added? What's working there? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Because, but particularly with the um, uh, the unearthed stuff yeah. as well. Mm. Um, but also, oh, there's a record that was okay in London, but it's massive in Australia. Um, oh, that's a bit interesting. Yeah. It's working there. It's almost like we're a test market. Yeah. Look, and and that's it's not just music actually that uh, people look to Australia for for testing as well. I think there's a lot of other industries that also do the mm. same because we seem to have that sort of balance between the UK and America in our tastes. Mm. But look, that's an interesting point, actually. I mean, you're right. People need a level of curation so that they can get a sense, get a handle on what's available. Otherwise, it's paralysis of choice. We yeah, haven't yeah. listened to anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Do you, now, and this lens, and before... Before him, there was a guy by the name of Arnold Frollo's and now Richard Kingsmill. Like, do you get, is there a sense of of the power of those? Like, because I was at Splendor, when I, we were caught up at Splendor in the Grass about a month and a half ago. Yeah. I stood there with my girlfriend, I'm like, this festival exists only because Triple J exists. This festival would not exist mm. if it was only commercial radio. Yeah. Wouldn't, you would not get 22,000 people standing in the mud mm. for three days mm. in the rain because <laughs> this... This whole industry, the riggers, the, 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 the people doing the catering, the people that build the tents, all these people have jobs because of this radio station. And this radio station is the one that decides which songs are going to get heavy rotation and these are the bands that come in. That's a shitload of power. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> to, to have. And I know that Richard knows that. Uh, he's aware of that. I don't think he dwells on it because mm. I think it would drive you to distraction if you did. I mean, I, Richard has incredible ears. You know, you talk about in the music industry, you talk about people with good ears. Um, and there are people who just have a capacity to be able to hear things in a song quite often the first time that others take a few listens to get to. Uh, my famous story to do with that is uh, Lior when he first sent his record in, Autumn Flow, and uh, This Old Love. I first heard it and I thought, oh, this is really sappy. Oh, I don't like it. And Richard heard it and went, oh, this is fantastic. And put it on the radio and it immediately became a hit. And by the second time or third time I heard it, I went, oh, my God, this is just fantastic. And I was very open to Lior. I said, look, I just missed it the first time around. But, you know, there's always going to be questions in a place like Triple J. It, it, it is – I remember for the entire time I was there and I was there for 
13 years. You know, the entire time I was there, uh, I was always copying what Triple J should be. And people, there's lots of people with vested interests in it. And I, I don't mean nefarious vested interests. I mean people who think it should be more like this, more playing more of this. It should be more commercial. It should be uh, more, in inverted commas, alternative. You know, there's a lot of different people with different opinions. And the people actually inside the place are weighing up, juggling all those different factors, trying to find an equation that works for the listener. The listener, in the end, at the end of the day, is... The, the primary focus, you know, that for, for all the people that work there, it's what can we give to our listener? And I think they do a, an absolutely incredible job. I don't think they do it. You know, no cultural organisation can hit 100%, you know, but you look at the track record of the place since it opened, really, and considering the funding and considering the, the number of staff who work there, it's incredible. So there are always going to be haters. There are always going to be people who are going to be... And, you know, I, I've been critical of it in the past as well, so at times. But ultimately, when you weigh it all up, I think it does an incredible job. And I think that... I mean, there's always arguments about how long the music program should be there for. Um, you know, there was with Arnold, there was always conversations about, you know, should you have somebody in, who's well outside of the demographic choosing songs for people aged 18 to 24? And that applies to Richard as well. Um, I think that's an argument definitely worth having, but I also do believe that you need somebody with musical perspective to, to be able to make calls on a broad, really broad range of music, and that you, you don't you don't get don't get that at 22. I'm sorry, you just don't. You, you've got to listen. You know, I'm 43, and um, I still listen to a lot of music from the past, trying to make a sense of it. And you know, I listen to music all the time. So you've got to – I think you've got to have a little bit of a uh, bit of water under the bridge to be making those calls, but there's always an argument about where it should sit yeah, and what and, and what that decision is, it's always going to be up for debate. It's good good to hear that he just goes to work and goes, well, I'm picking songs today. Yeah. He doesn't think about the, no. you know, the entire touring industry that exists and all <laughs> those jobs, all those jobs. Yeah. We talk about, you know, in this country all the time, they bang on about jobs. There's got to be thousands of jobs. Well, so. no, I mean, the, the music industry in Australia is worth billions of dollars. It's yeah. worth a lot of money. A lot of people come home and put food on the table yeah. on the back of that. And Triple J is a big part of it. But, look, the, the thing is they'll always be doing what they do. They'll always yeah. be looking for, for new music. They'll always be looking for new Australian music and that is – and to create an excitement in new Australian music is just terrific, in a, in especially in an age where we're so connected to international mm. output, to go, you know what, here in Australia, we've got some really great stuff. Mm. Here it is. Get excited about it and support it. Mm. And for people to actually get on that that bandwagon and go, yeah, yeah, we're with you. Yeah, I think it's great. Mate, we've got about 10 minutes before... Um, the eleven-year-old walks through mm. the door. Should I start my rendition of Les Misérables? Well, no, I just uh, teach me. What do I need to know? I've been, I've been, I've been here for about a, I've been in her life for about a year and a bit. Yeah, so a... I've been living here for about seven months. Wow. And she's like, and who the fuck are you? Yeah, I know. I bet. Getting in. This is my mother. Yeah. This is my house. What do you mean? I can't sleep in her bed every. What the fuck yeah. is this? Look, it's a. I can't imagine doing it. Actually, it's hard enough. With my kid, who you know, we wrestle mentally wrestle all the time. So it's a funny one, isn't it? You, sometimes you just got you got to pick your battles with them, mm-hmm. but you've also got to remember they're looking for love all the time too. And sometimes 
sometimes your own childhood ego gets in the way of realising that from time to time, of just letting them behave a little bit badly every now and then and just throwing them a bit of love no matter what. doesn't mean that they can get away with stuff. I think you've always got to draw lines. No, but I can't discipline. No, okay. Well, that's a, that's a different one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's a, I, you know... I've the got, best I've, I've got is what would your mum say? That's... that's <laughs> That's, that's, the, that's my particle projectile can on. That's the that, toughest in your arsenal. That, that's it? me releasing the saucer section. That's all I've got. <laughs> and I, I pull it out quite she, often. She must go, ooh, <laughs> not that one. <laughs> no, actually, she often, she goes, but she eventually turns around. She goes, yeah, that's, uh, this isn't going to end well. It's good for your humility. I mean, well done to you. You know, it's a, I've got friends who have walked into those situations as, you know, stepmums, uh, or stepdads, and it's it's difficult, you know, for everybody. I my I, I take my hat off to you for doing it. It's, look, I, I love it. Yeah, great. I, I love it. I'm moving back to Australia. I'm you know I lie in bed at night and and read the never ending story out loud. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, you know what? There is something so wonderful about kids and the way that they see the world and being able to engage with them because it gives you an excuse to be a child yourself. And you, f- you forget that a big part of us is being a child. I learn a lot of dance routines in that living room. There's a reason there's no furniture in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I get in trouble because I don't know how to do it properly. Oh, goodness. And she, she moans when I wear my cardigan. <laughs> Why? Too daggy. Too daggy. Too daggy. She's not interested. No, I know. They, um, they do have very high standards when it comes to a lot of things, yeah. uh, particularly in front of their friends. Um, I get a lot of, oh, Dad... Oh. A lot of dad jokes, but I love dad jokes. Oh, so bad. Aren't they fantastic? We, you know, could, we could use the ramp if you're so inclined. <laughs> <laughs> Driving through the country town. Oh, there's the dead centre of town. Yeah, past the cemetery. There we go. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's plenty more. There's plenty more. Oh, I got in trouble the other day because we, her, her mate slept over and um, we went out for dinner um, before we came back. And her little mate's going to a different uh, – they go to the same primary school, but they're going to different high schools. And so, I, you know, I talked to a friend. I said, how do you feel about going to high school? You know, which one are you going to? Mm-hmm. You, you all right? You, you're going to know many people there? Da, 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 da. Later on, she's like, you shouldn't talk to them like you know them. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll step away from the other human. <laughs> yeah, look – and my my daughter's just entering into that adolescent phase. You yeah. know, we're just stealing ourselves for the the hurricane that we know is coming, mm. the hormonal hurricane. Um, and so that's going to be really interesting. But I, you know, I I, I love I, I love being a parent, and I didn't know that I ever would. I didn't even know. Mm. I thought, oh, I don't know whether I've really got it in me to be a parent. And and it was a you know for for us. My wife and I, we met at work, we went at Triple J and we'd only been going out for about six months when she fell pregnant. And so it was uh, a, a pretty confronting <laughs> time. You know, I mean, in fact, we were at work, we'd sort of kept our relationship. We'd both come out of, uh, recently come out of quite long-term relationships and both had great exes, but just the, those relationships had, had come to a stall. We didn't really want to get into a long-term relationship. We, we liked each other a lot, really fell for each other, but we were really hesitant about going into a long-term relationship. And then we were seeing each other on the sly, didn't really let anybody know at work, and then this happened. And we went, wow, what's, what are we going to do? And then we went, you know what? We really like each other. Uh, 
we should do this. You know, no, none of our other friends have got kids, but let's just do it. And so she started getting more and more pregnant. And, you know, she'd be at work. She was about seven or eight months pregnant with a big baby bump. And people would be coming up to her going, oh, wow, you're pregnant. That's fantastic. And she'd go, yeah. And, she, and they'd go, so who is the father? And then she'd sort of look over the other side of the office and point to me and go, him. And they'd, they'd look across the office and go, Robbie? <laughs> and I'd sheepishly wave. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Isn't that that guy who did the classical by night yeah. in Lismore? You're I love that show. Uh, you loser. You love loser. that show. So well, there you go. I mean, look, that, that's the thing about life is that it just takes strange turns in life and, it, you know, t- it, you end up in roads that you didn't expect to be travelling down and you look back on them and go, wow, that was amazing. Yeah. You know, and it is amazing. What's it like talking to most of Sydney every morning? Uh, look, it's good sometimes when it goes well and other times when it doesn't. Because yeah. you cover a lot more issues than, yeah. you know, whatever you did on Triple J. It's a lot broader. It's a lot broader. There's a lot more politics. Yeah, people uh, expect the agenda of the day yeah. in every 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's 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 tough sometimes, particularly that time of the morning where – and you're doing it solo, so you're trying to get across a lot of stuff while you're broadcasting – and there's not songs to hide behind. You know, back at the Jays, you'd do a bit, you'd play a song, you'd be able to get your head together about what the next thing was before you came back again. Uh, with this, it just keeps on going, you know. So it's been really challenging in that way uh, and I've learnt a lot. It's still a lot to learn about it too. It's a really – it's an ongoing process. I, I sometimes get – and I'm sure a lot of people listening get very confronted when – and particularly like just even this last two weeks in the mm. news, it's it's – we can choose to turn it off. We can choose not to look at Twitter. We can choose to just, I'm just going to take a break from the news. How do you cope with just the constant waterfall of headlines that you've got to digest and absorb so you can emotively mm, speak about discuss them? It. Look, I think, it is, I think it is wearing, actually, and I think you've got to be careful that you don't take on, uh, emotionally take on some of those aspects of it. I mean, in the last week, we've been talking about William Tyrrell. It's the anniversary of, of his disappearance, the little toddler. There was a, a murder of a grandmother and her grandson from uh, by a, uh, you know, a neighbour. Um, and when you discuss those issues, you know, I can't help but picture those kids in my head. And I can't think of it, can't help but think about my own children as well. You know, there's the Alan Curdy photograph as well, uh, on, on the international front. It is actually the kids are the ones, the stories with the kids in it are the ones that really get to you. That said, I'm in a studio. I'm not actually out there in the field or a war correspondent and I don't know how people do that. I really don't. It's, yeah, the mind boggles what they have to, must have to bring home. Uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've met a war correspondent and he, he had some pretty full-on PTSD. He was in, um, oh, what was that? Iraqi city that went really bad. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm thinking of Syria at the moment, Aleppo. But uh, no, 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 the other one. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. It was about 2006, just before they did the surge, and it just went horribly wrong. Mm. And he was he was stationed there, and he came out of that was just like, yeah, because you're talking about pure horror. You, you are talking about something that we can't even conceptualise in, in its in its carnage, and I mean, I, I, I do have an interest in war photography a bit and so I've read some accounts of people trying to discuss what it's like to be in those situations and they just say 
it, it, it's like you have descended into hell and nothing makes any sense. There's just pure carnage around you. And there's, there's no rhyme or reason as to why people survive or don't survive. It's just pure luck. Mm. Uh, and so, look, you know, I, I guess you have to be aware that that is going on around the world, especially these discussions that we're having at the moment with Syria. But uh, ultimately you try and switch it off. By, come the weekend, I try and switch it off a bit. Mm. I think you've got to clear your head. Uh, a little bit, and, and just, thankfully, you know, a lot of it's a lot of it's just the local politics as well. Sydney mm. politics, New South Wales politics, that stuff can be surreal at times, but it doesn't have the the, the heaviness that those other stories yeah. do. Yeah, but it, it is. I, I think it's it's a broader issue actually for our time. Is that we are we are constantly uh, feeling like we're in the midst of crisis all the time because we're constantly being told more and more about what is wrong. And there are a lot of things wrong, but at some point you've got to be able to say to yourself, okay, I'm going to choose to absorb this, but these other things actually I'm, I'm going to turn away from, I think. And yeah. I, think, I think that's a healthy way to go and about it. There's that uh, mate of mine, Ruben Meerman, he's a, a scientist and he's... Um, oh, the, the surfing scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he told me to read a book called The Better Angels of Our Nature and this guy basically, it's this massive, it's a very heavy book, it's a jillion pages, but he just conclusively sets out his argument that Right now, even with all the stuff we're seeing on the news every night, this is the most peaceful it time is. in humanity. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've seen that argument a lot, and it's true that there are a lot, a lot fewer people being killed through wars and famine, and you know other natural disasters too. Let's hope that continues, but yeah, it is worth remembering that from time to time. We just have cameras everywhere, so. Yeah. You know, even I mean, it's amazing. Even nasty things that happen in the states to two people, we, you know, as horrible as they are, fifteen years ago, we would never have heard about them. Never. Have and known. now, now they're viral videos. And so you, you do have to, have to have a think about. Well, what? Are we, oh, is that your phone? Uh, that's me. Yeah. That's yeah. Your time. Sorry, I'll, I'll mute that. Yeah. So, you, so you do have to think. Look, what am I absorbing, and how much good is it doing me? And maybe I need to, to filter a bit of this. Yeah, yeah, and then on the weekend, just uh, try and tune into that uh, <laughs> the last breaths of your child's childhood. Yeah, 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 that's right. Before she's like, before she turns into a raging monster. <laughs> Mate, don't worry. We all came out the other side of that. I know we did, didn't we? We all did. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you came over. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. Thank uh, you so much. For, thanks for inviting me. I've, I've loved it. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, no, I have. I'm just going to set everything up so I can take your photo. Okay. Okay. Let's all right. Cool. Yeah. And that was Robbie Buck. You can find him on Twitter at R-O-B-B-I-E underscore B-U-C-K. You can also listen to him every morning in Sydney on ABC 702 AM. You can also get his podcast, listen to him online all around the world. Yes, you can. He's a lovely chap and he works very hard and he's very, very good at what he does. I'm heading um, back up to Brisbane after this. Um, by the time you read hear this, I will be in Brisbane, but I'm recording this before. Don't worry. It's, it's all a bit of an Inception kind of podcast within a podcast at the moment. But yeah, I'll be back in Brisbane. If you see me on the bike path, say hello. I'm riding a white giant with a pink, uh, pink bar tape. I will say this thing. Every other city, city that I've ridden in around the world, people wave back. People wave. Because you're another cyclist. You're out there trying not to die. And, you know, you wave. G'day, mate. Hello, my friend. Guys and girls wave back. Everything's cool. You're heading up a hill. Hope you go well. Look at you. You're going so well. You're going to look great on Strava. 
you cheer each other on up the hill. Brisbane people don't wave so much. Just wave. You want to make the world a better place today? Wave. Wave at people who let you in in traffic. Wave at people as you're walking into a lift. Just wave. You don't have to say anything. Just wave. It's okay if you don't wave at me back on my bicycle. I do ride to work at 4.30 in the morning, so it's okay. Anyway. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe to the uh, podcast to hear older episodes. Hear them all at osherginsburg.com. And of course, you can send me an email. Send osheremail at gmail.com. So... I'm going to sit here and watch my 3D printer that I managed to fix with the help of a technician over a Skype call from Pasadena. Um, And I might have a nap because it's the weekend. Hey, thanks for being here. Sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.